are Locked On Blackhawks, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everyone? Welcome on into another episode of Locked On Blackhawks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can find me out on Twitter at Jack Bushman2, or you can also go and check out my Strictly Blackhawks account at Talkin' Hockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. And just a quick reminder that you could subscribe or follow along for free on YouTube and wherever you may be listening to your podcast. Please make sure to go and do that real quick. It helps me out greatly. And that way you can also get the latest episode as soon as it's available each and every day. All right. Good morning, everyone. As always, thank you all for joining me on another episode of Lockdown Blackhawks, your one-stop shop for all things Chicago Blackhawks. Thank you all for making the show your very first listen here to start off your day. To kick things off on the show here this morning, I figured I'll provide you all with a small little update regarding the Chicago Blackhawks picks in the 2023 NHL draft, which of course is now less than a month away, counting down the days here in Chicago until Connor Bedard is coming home. But we now also know where each of the Blackhawks picks will lie in the 2023 NHL draft following the Dallas Stars being eliminated from the Stanley Cup playoffs with their game six, six nothing blowout loss to the Vegas Golden Knights on Monday night. By the way, that pick is not the one from the Mags Domi trade back at this year's deadline. The Blackhawks actually received a 2025 second round pick, if you recall correctly, uh, for Mags Domi along with goaltender Anton Kudobin, which I kind of didn't think necessarily was enough of a return for Mags Domi and to also do the Stars a favor by taking on Anton Kudobin's contract, giving them a little bit more cap space. I personally thought the Blackhawks were going to get a little bit more than that, but at the end of the day, still getting a second round pick for Mags Domi. If you told me that at the beginning of the season, a couple of weeks prior to the trade deadline, undoubtedly I would have been happy. But no, that's actually not where this pick came from, uh, Kyle Davidson has wisely spaced out his draft picks since being named the general manager for the Chicago Blackhawks. And it has just worked out marvelous, marvelous, marvelously for him so far, because not only do the Blackhawks, of course, sit pretty going into this year's draft, which I'll talk about um, here in just a moment, but they also have at least two first round picks and two second round picks in the 2024 and 2025 NHL drafts. I honestly don't know if they'll be adding too much more draft capital over these next few years. I'm sure Davidson would like to pick his spots and get a couple more, but I don't necessarily think he's going to be as active in that department now that the Blackhawks have checked off that box of getting a generational talent. One of the hardest things to do in a full-scale rebuild, they don't need necessarily as much depth of prospects moving forward as they do because of the 2022 NHL draft and all the selections they had there and all the picks they're going to have in the 2023 NHL draft as well. But this pick was actually acquired by Kyle Davidson doing the same thing that we've seen him do for you know the last year and a half. This was a deal that he made during day two of the 2022 NHL draft back on July 8th of last summer. 
the Blackhawks traded one of their 2022 third round picks to the Dallas Stars in exchange for a 2023 third round pick. And the reason that Davidson could do that was because he had taken on so many draft picks from other teams. The Blackhawks already had four selections in the third round of last year's draft. So even after trading away one and swapping it for a future third round pick, they still had three picks in the third round where they took Gavin Hayes, Aiden Thompson, and Samuel Savoy, all of which are very intriguing prospects, just uh, a year removed away from them being selected by the Blackhawks. So just very smart asset management time in time again by Kyle Davidson. That's what's put the Blackhawks in this pretty spot, of course. Don't get me wrong. Getting Connor Bedard absolutely changes everything, but the Blackhawks, just getting Connor Bedard isn't what makes them the best, arguably the best prospect pool in the entire NHL. It's the amount of depth they've created around it. So Davidson continues to just do a really good job at that. And with the Blackhawks, knowing that they have the 93rd pick from the Dallas Stars here in the 2023 NHL draft, that gives the Blackhawks nine selections within the top 100. Obviously, this is a draft that's kind of been talked about as uh, a deep as one as we've really ever seen at the NHL level. So the Blackhawks have really done a great job. Kyle Davidson, the entire front office has done a great job of stockpiling draft picks for this once in a lifetime, as some say, NHL draft. But here's a quick reminder of get again of all the Blackhawks selections within the first four rounds. Obviously, they're going to be picking number one. Connor Bedard is going to be rocking a Blackhawks logo on June 28th in Nashville, Tennessee. They also own the 19th overall pick for the time being received from the Tampa Bay Lightning as part of the Brandon Hagel trade. Then they have a slew of second-round selections. They have the 35th pick, which is their own. They have the 44th overall pick as well from the Ottawa Senators. They received that back at this year's deadline for taking on Nikita Zaitsev's horrible deal. I honestly don't know what's worse, Nikita Zaitsev's play or his contract. They're both absolutely despicable. Wouldn't be mad if the Blackhawks bought him out. They also have the 51st overall pick in the second round. That was another smart deal that the Blackhawks made with the Tampa Bay Lightning. That was when they received Tyler Johnson and a second round pick simply by giving the Tampa Bay Lightning Brent Searock's contract so they could put it on long-term injured reserve. A phenomenal move by Kyle Davidson to weaponize the salary cap. The Tampa Bay Lightning had no room whatsoever, but adding Brent Seabrook's deal on their LTIR gives, gave them some freedom. The Blackhawks got a free second-round pick along with a good veteran leader in Tyler Johnson in return. And they also have the 55th overall pick from the New York Rangers is part of the Patrick Kane trade. Unfortunately, they did not reach the conference final in order to get that pick bumped up to a first, but still a good second-round selection for the Blackhawks nonetheless. Then we move on into the third round. The Blackhawks have their own pick at number 67. As I mentioned a moment ago, they get number 93 from the Dallas Stars, and they also have one of the best picks in the fourth round, which is also in the top 100 at number 99. So, Uh, A good slew of draft picks here for the Blackhawks. Again, the 2023 NHL draft is just a month away, although the Blackhawks' selections could look very different by the time the actual draft rolls around. I've talked about this numerous times on the show, so it's nothing surprising, but there have been some conversations about the Blackhawks potentially trying to move up from number 19. I did reference Scott Powers in a recent article for The Athletic, 
did mention there are some concerns about uh, the Blackhawks finding a way to trade up. It kind of seems like the Vancouver Canucks might be a make or break type of situation. That seems like the best opportunity for the Blackhawks to try and trade up. But yeah, there could be a lot of picks on the move here. Who knows if the Blackhawks are going to be staying at number 19. I've kind of thrown around a couple of different potential trade packages that we could see happen if the Blackhawks and Canucks do wind up making a trade like they seem to be destined to be this summer. Um, I could see the Blackhawks trading picks number 19 and 35 in order to maybe get up to number 11 or maybe picks uh, 19, 41, and 51 to get uh, to get up to number 11. There could also be some involvement with Brock Besser in a deal like that, someone who the Canucks may try and shed off of their books this year. They're currently a million dollars over the salary cap at this point. So they definitely have to make a deal. Could be Brock Besser, could be Anthony Bavillier, could be Connor Garland. Those are kind of the names that I expect would be in the mix uh, if the Blackhawks do wind up trying to retain some salary from them. But yeah, a lot of action. It could be happening on the Blackhawks side of things before that June 28th draft. I also think if the opportunity presents itself. The Blackhawks wouldn't be scared to trade up earlier into the second round to get a player who's still available or even maybe dip back into the first round like we saw them do last year. If, if there's a player that they like that they don't think is going to be around for much longer, maybe they, they try and package, you know, picks number 44 and 51 to move up in the second round, or, or maybe they package 35 and 44 to go up late in the first round. Those are kind of the things I think the Blackhawks could be looking at before the NHL draft takes place here in just over a month. All right, Hawks fans, coming up in just a moment, I'll be getting into forward Reese Johnson's 2022-2023 season recap segment. But first, I need to talk to you all about Athletic Greens and their new AG1 product, which is something that I use every single morning because with just one scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, probiotics, and more to help you start your day right. And this special blend of ingredients is incredible. It helps support your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, your recovery, your focus, and even your aging. And Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews and is recommended by both health experts and professional athletes. Plus, it'll cost you less than $3 per day, which is such a cheap and easy way to invest in both your health and your body. To make it easy for all you out there, Athletic Greens is giving away a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D along with five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you got to do is go and visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL network. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash NHL network to take ownership over your health and to pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, back here on the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast real quick. I'm going to take a swig of water. But before I get into segment two, I do want to let all of you know out there, I'm getting a lot of new viewers and a lot of new listeners here on the show with the buzz around the Blackhawks being what it is at the moment because Connor Bedard is going to be coming home sometime here soon. Uh, so make sure, if you haven't done so already, help me out. Please go and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Go and follow the podcast. Make sure you're down in those episodes. It really does help me out greatly. 
Uh, make sure to also go and follow Lockdown Blackhawks on Instagram. I'm going to be doing a giveaway here sometime soon, giving away lots of free, cool Blackhawk stuff. And I know one way you're going to, uh, one thing you're going to have to do in order to qualify is you're going to have to subscribe to Lockdown Blackhawks on Instagram. So get all that good stuff out of the way, folks. I greatly appreciate all the support. All right, segment two. I have to get into my next Chicago Blackhawks season recap segment. I'm getting down to the end of these here. I think I only got three or four more players to go through. And up next, we have none other than 24-year-old forward Reese Johnson, who spent his second season up at the NHL level full-time and, you know, spent most of it down on the fourth line playing a defensive-minded role for the Blackhawks, like we saw him do during his rookie season last year where, uh, he played in 37 games, unfortunately missed a lot of time due to a broken clavicle. I remember he suffered that in a game. I don't know why I remember this, but it occurred in a game up in Toronto against the Maple Leafs. Um, so we didn't see a ton of Reese Johnson last year. He kind of surprisingly came back at the end of the season following that broken clavicle, but uh, the Blackhawks must have liked something they saw about Johnson's game, or maybe Kyle Davidson just recognized he'd be kind of a good, like, fourth line filler at the NHL level through these next couple of years while they slide through this rebuild. Um, because at the end of last season, like literally immediately following the conclusion of the season, or maybe it was even before the season came to an end. I remember it was in early April and I can't remember what the schedule was like. It was probably before the end of the year, if I think, because this season ended in no, man, I'm all over the place. Regardless, it, it was, a very quick decision by the Blackhawks to give Reese Johnson a two-year, $1.6 million contract extension with an $800,000 AAV through the end of next season. I thought it was kind of an interesting choice from the Blackhawks, or maybe the timing of it was a little bit more interesting interesting to me, actually, just because you know it was a very quick decision. It seemed like the Blackhawks knew this was something they wanted to do. They probably had been in conversations with Reese, the weeks or maybe even the months leading up to the announcement. And I don't know, I, I just wasn't that convinced that he was going to be a full-time NHL or especially when, you know, we had at the time, some other tweeners who were kind of trying to break through such as Mike Hardman, who's, you know, um, when he was up in the NHL was a fourth line type of guy. Same with uh, Josiah Slavin when he was still around before he got traded at the deadline. Same with Evan Barrett who got traded uh, early on this past season as well. All three of those guys were kind of knocking on the door and to kind of like rapidly give a contract extension to Reese Johnson. I, I just thought it was something of an interesting choice, but um, he signed signed the deal with the Blackhawks, wound up being a staple of their lineup when he was healthy this season. Uh, he did miss a little over a month due to a concussion, and he has now missed a decent chunk of the season in back-to-back -back years, which is something to keep an eye on. But um, all in all with Reese Johnson's game, obviously there's nothing flashy about it. He's not an offensive playmaker. He's not someone who's going to rack up points. That's never what he's going to be known for. But at the same time, he is someone who knows his role. Well, he knows he's out there to be a wrecking machine. He's there to provide the physicality. He's done that very well so far in his career. And he's also been a pretty responsible two-way center Iceman who's done good things at the face-off dot as well. He's been over 50% in both of his first two NHL seasons. He's been a grinder down there on the fourth line. The hard part with Reese Johnson, like it is for 
defensive defensemen on the Blackhawks or a lot of these bottom six guys, it's hard to necessarily feel their value or tell how good of a player they are, how much impact they have when they're surrounded by, you know, one of the worst rosters in the entire NHL and playing for a a sorry team like the Chicago Blackhawks this past season. It's hard to tell, like, is Reese Johnson, would he be an effective fourth liner on a playoff team? Is he scratched on a playoff team? Is he an AHL or on another club? It's kind of hard to tell because we haven't had the greatest amount of volume. I think Johnson's played maybe 100 NHL games. I think just a little bit short at this point. And also he hasn't played for any good teams at this point in time as well. So that's kind of what makes these players a little bit hard to judge. But getting into some of Johnson's numbers on the season, I mentioned he wound up playing in 57 games for the Hawks this year. That's 20 more than he played in as a rookie a lot of that was because he missed time with a broken clavicle. Wound up tallying four goals and two assists for six points this season. That's as many points as he tallied in 37 games last year, although the Blackhawks' offense was undoubtedly worse as a whole this past season. He did score four goals this year, which was three more than he had as a rookie, but only had two assists, and he had posted five in 37 games the year prior. So kind of do with that information as you will. Obviously, the Blackhawks' fourth line wasn't doing a whole lot of goal scoring this year. Uh, Johnson wound up accruing 38 penalty minutes. It's kind of what's going to happen when you go out there and are trying to run through everything, every single shift. I can't really be mad at that. Maybe I'd like to see the number down a little bit more because Johnson is a penalty killer, but that's kind of what you get when you ask Johnson to go out there and do the job that he does. Uh, Shot 7.4% this season, which is pretty respectable for a fourth liner, just not a whole lot of volume there. Uh, Averaged 11 minutes in one second of time on ice, truly a fourth line role all season long. And as I mentioned earlier, over 50% in uh, both of his first two NHL seasons at the faceoff dot. 53.1% for Reese Johnson this season, pretty solid. And the Blackhawks as a whole were a lot better at the faceoff dot than I think anyone anticipated them to be going into the year. I thought it's probably just going to be the Jonathan Tate show, but surprisingly, Max Domi had that surge. Sam Lafferty was a capable faceoff man, and then Reese Johnson was holding it down on the fourth line as well. Uh, he wound up tallying 23 block shots. Probably would like to see that number a bit higher considering the penalty penalty kill role that he has. But he did accrue 178 hits in 57 games. I mean, Reese knows what he's doing out there, and it's trying to run through everybody. Like I just said, I love that physicality. I love the willingness to sacrifice the body, even though – he missed time with a concussion and he suffered a broken clavicle in his first two years. It's kind of the result of being a runaway freight train out there. And look, the Blackhawks don't have a whole lot of that in their lineup. And I certainly respect Reese Johnson for taking on that role these last two years. It's not an easy job to do. It's not the most fun one to be out there blocking shots, fourth liner, hitting people along the boards and not really getting any of the glory. But Reese Johnson knows that that's what he's here to do. And I give him a lot of respect for doing it night in and night out. Uh, In terms of the analytics, not the best year for Johnson. 37.9 Corsi 4 percentage this year. Can't really expect it to be all that positive, though, when he started seven, nearly three-fourths of the face-offs he took occurred in the defensive zone. Um, Obviously, it was a penalty killer on the ice in defensive situations. These numbers were bound to be pretty bad, but they honestly weren't as terrible as I thought they were going to be. He was on the ice for 15 goals for to 36 against in all situations. And one thing that didn't help his case was the Blackhawks 
Uh, goaltenders had an 89.7 save percentage when he was on the ice this year. So didn't help his cause in some of these analytics, but didn't really expect them to be good in the first place. So kind of taking everything into consideration here, I mentioned Reese Johnson's a little bit of a toughie to gauge in terms of the expectations though, coming into the season, I thought Reese Johnson, you know, would, would be a capable faceoff guy did that. I thought he'd provide the physicality. He did that. Did he put up the offensive numbers? Maybe I would have liked to see him get over 10 points after having six and 37 games last year, but it's not like I was relying on Reese Johnson to be providing offense for this Blackhawks team. So all things considered, it's a toughie to gauge. There were a lot of mixed results out there. I'm giving Reese Johnson a B minus for his performance this season. Look, you can't really knock him. The Blackhawks fourth line was kind of doomed. They didn't really stand a chance. He won his faceoffs though. He was a, a physical guy. I'd like to see, Maybe the Blackhawks fourth line take a step in the right direction, but it's probably not going to happen until the team gets better. So I, I can't really be mad at Reese Johnson for the season he had. Uh, so that's why I'm going to give him a B minus for his performance this year. All right, coming up in just a minute, don't go anywhere because I still have to get into forward Gabe Perot's 2023 NHL draft profile. All right. Time to get into my next 2023 NHL draft profile here on the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast. And of course, as you all know by the title and the thumbnail, I'll be diving into 18-year-old forward Gabe Perot from the United States Development Program. By the way, if you haven't done so already, make sure to go and check out my previous NHL draft profiles as I've already gone over Colby Barlow, Andrew Crystal and Ryan Leonard, three very intriguing prospects that are all expected to go pretty high in the 2023 NHL draft. While you're checking out those videos, make sure to subscribe to Lockdown Blackhawks on YouTube. I greatly appreciate it, folks. All right, getting into Gabe Perot, though, one of the most intriguing and kind of interesting conversations around his name among all the prospects in the 2023 NHL draft because there's obviously a lot to love. And then there are some folks who are a little bit more concerned about what the upside may be out of Perot. But as I said, 18-year-old forward, born in May of 2005, left-handed shooter, five foot 165-pound winger from the United States National Team Development Program. And he's actually a native of a nearby suburb, Hinsdale, Illinois, which I thought was kind of cool. And he also has some Blackhawks ties here in the organization because his father is none other than longtime NHLer Yannick Perot who's currently serving as a player development coach for the Chicago Blackhawks. He's done so the last few years and has really worked mostly with guys at the faceoff dot because that was Yannick's bread and butter when he was in the NHL. And he's actually ranked first all time in faceoff win percentage in NHL history. So pretty good guy to have teaching you around the faceoff dot. But yeah, very interesting. Perot's a Hinsdale kid. Uh, Yannick Perot was involved with the Blackhawks organization. That's his dad. Uh, I just think it's kind of some some cool Chicago ties there. And I'm sure out of all the teams that are kind of taking a look at Gabe Perot, he'd probably like to get drafted by his hometown team, the Chicago Blackhawks. He's a much more talented offensive player, though, than his father ever was. And that's the name of the game here with Gabe. He's a pure playmaker that just put up absolutely bananas numbers 
for the United States Development Program, tallying 110 points, 55 goals, 46 assists in 55 games for the U18 team this past season. A two points per game clip. I think I phrased that right. I could have phrased it better. But averaging two points a game for the United States Development Program, only one player has averaged a higher point per game rating for the United States Development Program in their draft year. And that was Jack Hughes. Yannick Perot's the best, uh, best points per game player in development program history. And he actually had uh, the most points in a season for the development program this year as well. The offensive side of things, there really aren't many concerns about Gabe Perot's game. He's Kind of an interesting dynamic here because a lot of folks, a lot of draft scouts, and mostly everyone that knows him calls him a pure playmaker, but this is a guy who knows how to fill the puck in the back of the net as well. Of course, 55 goals and what, 55 games, a goal per game for the development program, and I know they face a lot of cupcakes. It's an all-star team. They blow a lot of people out, but to be the leading scorer for this club with all the talent that they have and to be putting up 55 goals you're obviously doing something right. And I think he kind of has a sneaky good curl and drag wrister. And I also think, and maybe this is why, probably is why he's considered such a good playmaker, is that he thinks the game really well. He scores a lot of goals from the dirty areas and right out front because of perfect perfect passing plays. But he also has the vision and the recognition and the hockey IQ of getting himself in those right areas. You know, it's a lot of people give the development program some knocks for playing against cupcakes. But at the same time, a guy like Gabe Perot consistently putting himself in the right position. He's consistently giving himself chances on the offensive side of things. And I don't see how you can knock him for that. The offensive game is absolutely wonderful. He thinks the game at a high level can carry the puck through tight areas is exceptionally creative. I mean, trying different things out there on the ice, drop passes through the legs, spinoramas to enter the zone, dancing around guys in tight corners. I mean, he has a lot of creativity to his game. And sometimes he kind of lets that take over and he'll try and force things and maybe do a little bit too much, which ends up, you know, resulting in a turnover going the other way. But more times than not, it's leading to something good for his team. And He's able to find just those open areas, those small little windows Gabe Perot is able to take advantage of, whether it's setting up his teammate or it's going and beating a goaltender top top corner with a nice shot. Um, I also think the puck handling, the way that he's, despite the size, the lack of it, he's only five foot eleven, as I mentioned, 165 pounds. He's definitely going to have to get stronger as he kind of continues to develop. But he's someone who's able to stay on his feet. He has good agility, uh, and he pairs that with just immense puck skills. He can he can carry the puck through the neutral zone. He can enter the offensive zone because of his creativity and because of his vision and because of his IQ. All the offensive traits when the puck are on when the puck is on his stick, Pro has the ability to be one of the best offensive players in this draft. However, there are some concerns about his game that go along with that offensive side of things. I would say the biggest one is probably the speed. I think he's a good skater, but I don't know if he's ever going to be a great one. And I don't know if he's ever going to have that high-end speed to be, you know, going coast to coast and leading an end-to-end rush 
um, through the neutral zone. I, I do think he's a fine skater and his stick handling can kind of get him out of trouble. Same with his creativity, but there is some concern about that high end speed, the acceleration, the form while I was watching some videos on him is also not the best and he doesn't really exert his energy at the best rate. So there's a big concern about that. There's also a concern about whether or not he's going to be a good four checker. There are times where he's a little bit disengaged offensively, which I, that's, you know, really not all that common with a 17, 18 year old kid. That's something, you know, that a lot of them go on to learn throughout um, their, their next couple of years before reaching the NHL level. But there, there are some concerns about the defensive side of things or some concern about the skating. Um, but the vision, the IQ, the way that he's able to make quick and decisive passes, the way that he's able to find those tight, tight windows. It's a very good complement of being decisive and recognizing when he needs to make a pass right now. And also when he has that time to be a little bit more patient and can sit back and maybe let something develop for another second. I think that's probably the best part of his game. As I mentioned, there aren't really many offensive worries. It's just the high end speed isn't necessarily there. Um, there are some concerns about whether or not he's going to have enough value if the offense doesn't pay out. And with a guy who, who's a pure playmaker, I do think the goal scoring abilities are better than most folks give him credit for, but most scouts and draft analysts say he's a pure playmaker. And if the top end high end speed isn't there, that is going to limit some of his ceiling offensively. So those are some of the, uh, the concerns about Gabe Perot's game. All in all, though, getting into kind of the rankings, this this is why he's so interesting because there is some disparity here and there's been a lot of push these last couple of months because how he closed the season with the development program. He's a guy who's kind of been, uh, his stock has certainly been rising these last few weeks and probably will continue to rise as we get closer and closer to the 2023 NHL draft because he just put up ridiculous numbers with the development program. The most in team history. He also played with Will Smith and Ryan Leonard, two guys who are expected to go in the top 10 all season long. They're also going to be going to Boston College next year together, and that team is going to be an absolute juggernaut. There's a lot to like about his game, obviously, um, and that's why these rankings, I think, are so interesting. Uh, Craig Button had him ranked the highest at number 15, he was ranked 19th by Sportsnet, 21st by McKean Hockey, 23rd by Bob McKenzie, 24th by the Hockey News, 25th by Daily Faceoff, 29th by Dauber Prospects, and 31st by Elite Prospects. But interestingly enough, just a few days ago, Corey Pronman had him going all the way up to number 12. So as I mentioned, a lot of disparity about where Gabe Perot could wind up landing um, but it sounds like the Blackhawks may not necessarily have to trade up in order to get him. I know I just said Pronman had him going at number 12. Maybe the Hawks will have to trade up to number 11 to get him, but it feels like a more likely scenario if he is their guy, if they do really like him. Um, they m- maybe feel more comfortable trading up with the Calgary Flames or the Pittsburgh Penguins, who are a couple selections Uh, ahead of him. I think that could be a situation, or maybe they just wind up getting lucky and Gabe Perot falls to them at number 19. Again, if he is the player they want to go with, but kind of all in all to put a bow on this, 
Uh, the strengths of Gabe Perot's game, obviously the playmaking abilities are immaculate. His puck handling and vision combination is incredible. He's remarkably creative out there. He, he finds areas and passes and little little openings that most players wouldn't be able to find. He also has been really good at establishing chemistry with other players. Like we saw with Ryan Leonard and Will Smith those this season, those three only got better and better and better together as the year went on. I also think he's going to be an exceptional power play threat because of his vision and the way he's able to thread passes. He's also, like I said, got a sneaky good shot and has shown an ability to fire a one-timer in the past and then getting into the weaknesses the size, obviously, five foot 11, 165 pounds. He's going to have to throw some weight on. I think the defensive awareness and responsibility, and quite honestly, just caring about that side of the game, he could work on that these next few years. The top end speed in the skating form is something probably priority number one when he goes to Boston College these next few years. He's certainly a prospect that's a couple more years away. He's not going to be a guy who you are immediately thinking about bringing up to the NHL level. He's someone you stash away for two, three, maybe even four years at Boston college and see how he develops these next few years, because there are some things that he needs to round out in his game. But I think the skating form and that top end speed is really what he needs to work on with the Eagles. Uh, Maybe some other ways to impact the game. I do think he's a really good stick checker, but I'd like to see him Look, I know he's five foot eleven, not a big guy, but add a little bit more of a rugged side to his game because that's going to be tested against grown men in the NHL. And I do think he could be a little bit stronger on his back check at times. And all in all, just kind of care more about the defensive side of his game. But all in all, I could see why the Blackhawks and, and why people like Gabe Perot so much and why he his stock has kind of been rising here lately. You don't put up those numbers for the development program. You don't lead the team in points if you're not a gifted offensive player. Now, maybe he's not as surefire as Ryan Leonard or Will Smith are, as those two guys kind of figure to be locks inside the top 10, in my mind, at this point. Um, But I do think Gabe Perot could be a a very good player. I don't know necessarily if I'd trade up to go get him, though, especially when he's someone that still needs to develop a lot of parts of his game. I think he'll probably be at least a three-year player in college because of all the things he needs to work on and the amount of weight he needs to put on. Uh, I do think he'd be a fine selection at number 19, just not exactly sure if I personally would be willing to trade up to get him. All right, folks, I think that is going to wrap up today's episode of Locked On Blackhawks. As always, thank you again for tuning into the show, and be sure to go and follow Locked On Blackhawks for free wherever you may get your podcasts, and to go and subscribe to Locked On Blackhawks on YouTube, and that way you can get the latest episode as soon as it's available each and every day. Once again, I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can find me out on Twitter, at Jack Bushman 2 or you can also go and check out my Strictly Blackhawks account, at Talkin' Hockey, for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. So until tomorrow's episode, it's going to do it here for the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.